Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent interviews on JM in the AM. Rabbi Yechiel Spiro, author of The Prayer of Protection, The Soul and Stories of Yoshev Besaser, a recent guest of ours on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Wednesday morning on this Isru Chag in the Diaspora here at JM in the AM. How did I spend my yuntif? I spend my yuntif with Rabbi Yechiel Spiro. Uh, over Shvuas, I read the brand new Yoshev Beseser, the book entitled The Prayer of Protection, The Soul and Stories of Yoshev Beseser, written by Rabbi Yechiel Spiro. It's an art scroll book. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio, and you use promo code radio at artscroll.com for anything. You'll get a nice discount and free shipping. Simple as that. Rabbi Yechiel Spiro is, of course, a best selling author tells amazing stories. You may recall that just in the last few months, he released a book entitled To Light a Spark, subtitled Nothing Inspires Like a Great Story. And on the heels of that one, and um, I don't know, 25, 30 other books, he has just released The Prayer of Protection, which again enhanced my holiday of Shavuos like uh, like crazy. Just uh, amazing. Uh, all about Yoshev Besaser. Rabbi Achiel Spiro, an honor to welcome you to JM in the AM. An honor to be here. Wow. That's humbling. It made my yuntif. It made my yuntif. And I'll tell you the lessons I learned from you. First of all, one of the most important lessons I learned is we, it's really a good idea to find out what we're saying in Davide. You know, like It's a good idea to actually take Bayord's Fila seriously. Because if one knows what they're saying, boy, does Tfila get enhanced. And I don't have to tell you, this parak of Tehillim, Yoshev Besaser, if one knows the words and understands what they're saying, it could be a life changer. Oh, it's uh, it's a game changer. And if you think about how often we say it, like yeah. it comes up in every moment of Jewish life. It's so um, true. Shabbos took it to Zimra. Yeah. Matzah Shabbos. Yeah. Um, by you, and and throughout Jewish history, there are many people that recite it by Hadlakas Ner Chanukah when you light the Shabbos uh, the Hanukkah candle, right? Because the Chashmei Noim themselves said it, right? And the first Mike person, Rabbeinu brought down the Torah. He said it to protect it from the Malachim. I, I, it's just I, endless. It's I was just, I was just going to say the first person that we assume said it was Moshe Rabbeinu, right? We assume that he was the yeah, first yeah, to say it. Yes. And, yes, and that's why it's called the Sheer Shel Pigoim, protects you from the, uh, just protects you from anything that's going to come your way. Little children should incorporate it into their Kriya Shema every night, because it is part of Kriya Shema every right. night, and I'm not going to ask who says all of Kriya Shema every night, right. but it's in there, it's yep. in there. It's in there, and it's in a, in a prominent place, and if you say it slowly and with great, uh, and with great concentration, again... Uh, I, I call it a life changer. Just uh, amazing. The pa- prayer of protection, everybody. The soul and stories of Yoshe Besaser. By the way, I mean, I'm reading the book. You have amazing stories. I mean, the, 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 look, the bottom line is, you know, a friend of mine used to say, go through life and leave the driving to Greyhound, meaning, kaviyachal, <laughs> meaning that, you know, you right. go through life, you do you do the best you can, and certainly, you know, you do the best you can within the parameters of halacha and religious life. Uh, and then, you know, you, 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 you let... let let God, you know, let God drive the bus, so to speak, because, uh, you know, he knows exactly what direction to take you in, etc. And it, it is so difficult to literally hand over your fate to anybody. Uh, and sometimes, you know, even at Kodesh Baruch Hu, but you describe so many stories, stories from, you know, very serious life and death situations to, you know, to, to, to those that may not be life and death, but really, you know, serious situations where people made a commitment based on this parak of Tehillim simply to give their fate to the one above. And yes. a, as you do point out, I want to be fair here because people will read this book and say, wait a second, you know. Do we always get the answer we want? Like, if all we have to do is put our faith in Hashem? No, we know we don't always get the answer we want. But the answer is that we we, we have full confidence that if we if we pray to him and say this parak properly, then he'll be doing for us what is best for us, whether we see it or not. So that's you know, my- it sounds like you are drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, 100%. And that's- well, I was and, and, I was getting frustrated. I was three-quarters of the way through, and I said, wait a second, he's not addressing when people aren't getting what they want if they're Yoshe Besaser Yidin. 
And then, of course, you 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 take time at the end to address just that, and that I think yeah. val- validates a whole part of it. That yeah, you know, you you have to give every you have to give it all over to Hashem, and you just have to you know, and you and you hope that the outcome you think is best is in fact the one that's best. That's my review. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's that's a phenomenal review, and you can review all of my books if you'd like, and I'll, I'll put it on the back there somewhere. Because that's no small compliment, and I'll frame that. No, Thank I, you. I appreciate uh, that. I have to tell you one thing. Sure. Let me just tell you one thing. I, I, I mean, of course, I believe in everything I've written, and I, and I believe that it will be inspire everybody. Sure. But maybe this book more than any other, it, 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 if you can buy into be talking, and you have to buy into be talking to having faith, then it just will make your life that much easier. Today, we every time we turn around. We feel like we've been punched in the gut. Right. And right. to try to figure out the ways of Hashem is impossible. Right. So if, if, you know, it's hard to live with Bitochen, but to live without it is literally impossible. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the story about the man who's desperate to pay a certain sum of money, and if, he, and if not, he, uh, it was a, an in-owner, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And if he doesn't pay that money, then uh, he goes to jail. You know the whole thing, and he's walking to right. he's walking toward the person or toward the home of the person that he needs to pay the money to. Does not have the money, and sure enough, right. because he has such great, such great beta. And I, by the way, I've seen this happen to friends of mine. I'm not kidding. I've seen it happen where they've walked into business deals, not having the money required, and by and a half hour later, by the time the meeting ends, it's all in place. I've seen it actually happen. So I, you know, this is not, these are not just stories of yesteryear. The <laughs> stories of faith happen right. today as well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I, well, I think one of the great things about be talking is you don't have to be a tzaddik to have be talking, and it can work. Right. It's it's just like gravity works. Be talking works. Right. It's part of life. So you know, one of the things, even though some people don't like, um, they don't like when I quote from, from a story that happened in non-Jewish life, but there's a story that. I have that happened from non-Jewish life that has really struck a chord by a lot of people because it's it's almost impossible to believe. But you can Google the story. Um, the story is a documented story about about a general Whittlesey from the British Army. Did you read that story? Yeah, of course I read it, and I was happy. He's the by the way, first, first of I, all, he's from the ninety-first brigade, right? Because Captain because ninety-one because Yosef Yosef is, is Sadi Aleph, and I was thrilled right. that you brought in. You know, so I mean, you and you made it clear. You made it clear that it's a different level of 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 um, of faith or a different you know type of faith. But I was glad that you brought right. that in and showed that any human being can be you know can can utilize right. this. Right. Well, let's quickly just tell sure. over the story to the readers because sure. they don't know. And the story is that that even though the that he was fighting together with his troops in a in an area where the fatality rate was eighty to ninety percent, they recited the ninety first chapter every single morning right. and there was not one soldier that died it, it's mind-boggling yeah very special you know you... yeah i'm I'm, <laughs> I, I'm i'm still like uh I'm, I'm still completely uh absorbed in the book i haven't moved on you know i'm telling you the the <laughs> And this is not to minimize the stories. The stories are great, and obviously it was gripping for me. I completed the entire thing. But just the fact that you explain and, – and there are a lot of tough words in Yoshe Beseser. There are a lot of tough references, the snake and the lion. Like, you know, there's difficult right. difficult references. It's not just, you know – it's not like um, – I'm trying to think like, you know, Sharbi Tachon, where essentially we're saying right. to Hashem, I'm putting – you know, I know that, you know, everything you do is good, and we're, I'm putting my entire faith in you. It's, it's like – it's esoteric, some of the material in Yoshe Beseser. It has to be explained mm-hmm. and understood, uh, but it's really remarkable. And again, it reminds me that that anybody out there who's putting out svarim, who's putting out books that explain tefillah, I mean the uh, you know, and line by line. That's another thing I liked. It's not like you just had the translation and basically you know said to us you're on your own. But line by line, you go in depth mm-hmm. <laughs> into everything. Right. And it started. I started thinking of of other you know things that we say where I would appreciate. Uh, you know, that type of approach, frankly. Or Yechiel Spiro's with us. The book is called The Prayer of Protection, The Soul and Stories of Yoshev Beseser, a tefillah or a peric of Tehillim that based on my age, I'd have to estimate. Oh, I, I can't even estimate. Who knows how many thousands of times I've said it? And now I'm going to be saying it yeah. completely differently, which is amazing. And you go to Leviah. 
Go yeah. to Levaya. Now I get it. Now death. I get it why we say that as we escort the dead person. Now I get it. Right? Right. Right. As but opposed to, and again, I'm not making light, but as opposed to so many who might remember most of the words or some of the words, and here right. you are escorting the person on his last last goodbye, and yeah. now you can you can actually uh, think, oh, wow, wow. May I, you know, may Hashem escort you. Can, can I tell you something? Sure. Um, I, I want to tell you something. You know, everybody had their corona moment. Yep. Um, I want to tell you, to me, maybe what was the most uh, powerful moment by corona. And it's it actually a little... I got a call from Hatsala in central Jersey from one of the, the rabbinic authorities, and they, they gave me a little homework. And I, I, they said that there are so many people that are dying and they don't have time to read them their last rites, and, and then the nurses feel terrible. The doctors want to do something for them. Could I make a recording <sighs> oh. saying goodbye to the people that were leaving this world? And it's got to be one minute or less. Oh, my God. It, 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 it was really such a moment of tshuva for me. Very, very special. Um, and, and I did it, and, and the, the crux of what I said, I mean, I think I said an abridged version of a vidui, and I told them Hashem loves them, huh. and I said Hashem will be with you every moment. And that's Yoshe Besaiser. That's Yoshe Besaiser. Yeah, you, that was my right. own You'll be enveloped. Of you'll, you'll be enveloped by Hashem, you know, Kaviyoch. Yeah. You'll be enveloped by yeah. Him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I wanted to, you know what I wanted to write, but I don't know if it can be put into words, but I guess I could say it on a on a on an interview. Yeah, <laughs> I, I said sometimes a person, no matter who you are and how tough and strong and secure, sometimes you just want to snuggle up with Asha. Right. And what and what a comfort that is, by the way, for those that are left behind, knowing yeah. that the person is snuggling, as you say. With mm-hmm. the with the one above. By the way, we should mention that you you have a lot of you have a lot of good pandemic stories in this book. Obviously, you can imagine, like you just described, the end of life was unfortunately all too common, uh, you know, in our community a year ago. But um, but you also have pandemic stories not from this pandemic. You have stuff that mm-hmm. you, that, that you write from other eras of Jewish history, where you know where where terrible things were being terrible health conditions were being spread around. And I thought that was an interesting twist that, you know, we're so focused, yeah, on, sure. so focused on this pandemic, but Jews went through this for centuries. I mean, everybody went through it, you know, for centuries before. I thought that was an important point. And Rabbi Kiva Eger and Chassam Seifer said, make sure you have Yeshua B'Seser with you. Right. Uh, also, you know, now, we're, we're, you know, Israel is under attack and all our brothers and sisters running for cover and terrified and scared. Yep. And, and the Chazanish said in 1948 during the Israeli War of Independence, Every Jew should have Yoshe B'Seser, Shagur Al-Piyam. It should be fluent on their lips. So those of our listeners that are listening and have relatives that I saw, tell your relatives. And we should also, in their, in their schus, in their merit, and, and in their, uh, you know, to help protect them. Yoshe B'Seser, say the capital with your children. Yeah, and say it line by line, understanding every single word. It's really, uh, it's really something extra special. Uh, can't thank you enough for joining us, everybody out there. By Yechiel Spiro's brand new book is called "The Prayer of Protection: The Soul and Stories of Yoshev Besaser." I'm proud that if you use promo code Radio at Artscroll.com, you get a nice discount on whatever it is you're buying, including the brand new book for Rabbi Spiro. Plus, uh, you get free shipping as well. So use promo code Radio and make sure to order "The Prayer of Protection." I don't know if it's nine horror or not. Can I ask you what number book this is? <laughs> you got to ask my mother. Only she oh, okay. knows. I figured as much. Because I, don't, I don't know why, why is it that that Jewish leaders have trouble with numbers. Why is it that, that we we hesitate we hesitate to talk about the the number that we've collected of something? I wonder why that is. But anyway, the uh, truth. The truth. I and, and I'm not. A, and those that know me know I'm not a humble guy. I just sometimes you really just got to attribute it to Hashem. Right. And for me to count it would be as if like I. It, it, it's really, I feel like Hashem is giving me a lot of siyat uh, deshmaya and and assistance and strength, and hopefully I can just continue. By the way, according to our count, it's over thirty. As I whisper that to Thanks. you. 
Um, what do you? I'll tell, what, my, I'll tell my mother. <laughs> what are you working on now? Another storybook or what? What are you? What's what's? I'm, I'm 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 always working on a number of different things because first of all, when you're working on one thing, sometimes you just need a break and need to do something else. Also, right. I'm working on um, I'm working on a biography about Rabbi Shmuel Berkowitz, uh, uh, an absolutely incredible mechanic, a principal, um, a rav who lived in Cleveland and then Passaic, who was one of a kind. I want to tell you, can I tell you one story sure. about him? Yeah, please. Um, he, he was a Rav in Shul, and, um, and somebody walked by the Shul and said, you know, so, you know, sometimes people offer their opinions and you really never ask them for their opinions. <laughs> but this, one, really? person, but this word, one person says to him, I want to tell you why I don't daven in your Shul. You know, wow. I want to tell you, and I walked by your Shul and there was a child jumping on a car. And I thought to myself, what type of a shul is that? Such vildkeit, such wildness. And Rabbi Berkowitz looked him in the eye and he says, I want to tell you something. Do you know whose car he was jumping on? He says, no. He says, he was jumping on my car. And I want to tell you something. I was happy that he was jumping on my car. Do you know why I was happy he was jumping on my car? I'll tell you. Because one day he will outgrow jumping on the car. But he will always remember what fun it was being in Shul. And he will always want to come back and be a part of Shul. Mm. And they say that if you ask people in Passaic, all of the kids in his Shul, when they get older and they become Yeshiva Bachim, they bedafka want to learn in his Shul. Because they loved him, they loved his Shul. And he always was just so loving and kind to them and uh, made them feel welcome. Yeah. And he welcomed all, everybody, into his heart. And that's, uh, yeah, it's a very special project so, we're working on. So those of us who believe that the key to synagogue is making sure Jewish children have a good time, we're not so far off. That's really what it's all about. Well, well you got to make them feel welcome. They right. can't, you know, right. run, right. <laughs> run up and down. Understood. But, uh, Understood. If they can jump on the cars, that's okay. Watch, I'm going to get, by the way, I'm going to get a phone call today and says, how dare you recommend that children jump on cars? Well, you know, are you going to be there? <laughs> I have a feeling you'll be able to deal with it. Uh, mazel Tov on the book. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's great speaking to you. Thank you so much for your warm encouragement. I appreciate it. Rabbi Yechiel Spiro, The Prayer of Protection, The Soul and Stories of Yoshev Beseser. I am highly recommending it, to say the least. That was my conversation with Rabbi Yechiel Spiro. NCSY's David Cutler, he leads NCSY Summer. And he had an important update for us recently on JM Name. Here he is, David Cutler, on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. David Cutler is with us live via telephone. He is the leader, he is the chief, he is the head of one of the most important youth programs in the Jewish world. And that is the NCSY summer programs. You you can't imagine, even with all the um, pushback, and trust me, I could speak to the pushback because we were supposed to leave for Israel this weekend. <laughs> so I could speak to the pushback. With all the pushback by what's happening in Israel and their lackadaisical approach to who should be able to uh, visit and or work in the Holy Land right now, um, NCSY Summer is still planning on an incredible summer program, many summer programs, and many of them in the state of Israel. Baruch Hashem. David Cutler, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Great to be here. How are you? Baruch Hashem. One of the things we do have to give the state of Israel and its government credit for, and they proved this to a degree last summer, but certainly more during the school year with seminaries and yeshivot, they are willing uh, to make whatever uh, concessions and arrangements are necessary to get large groups into Israel. Maybe not large groups like I would go with, but certainly the youth groups. I hope on May 20th today you're getting that feeling that the state of Israel is ready to cooperate with NCSY. Oh, very much so. It's really one of the things that I when, when I always enjoy speaking to you and talking to you about what we're doing, but I have very specific things I want to talk to you today about, about the state of Eretz Yisrael and why we're, we're so excited for this summer, perhaps like never before, uh, because, because of the fact that if you, if you would have asked me two months ago where we were going to end up this summer, uh, we were planning on bringing well over 2,000 kids to Israel this summer. 
And if you would have asked me two months ago where we were going to be, I was going to say, listen, we're, we just haven't made any headway. We're going to end up in the States. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm proud to tell you that as of today, May 20th, we have over 1,500 kids plus several hundred staff um, scheduled to go to Israel this summer, which, again, is just a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And that, may, and, that, and that could grow or not? The reason I ask is because it seems now we're in an accelerated state of, uh, of the COVID-19 situation, meaning that June 20th may look very, very different than May 20th. You couldn't say that about one month to another just a short time ago. Do you think things might even get better over the next few weeks? So they already did. We, we basically cut it off. We're, basically, our cutoff is the end of this week. To be honest mm. you, like today, tomorrow is only because of the paperwork that we have to fill out. Uh, so we actually saw a really nice spike over the last couple of weeks, especially, again, with the, the, the availability of the vaccine for 12 to 15-year-olds, which is a requirement to get into Israel this summer. Um, so we already saw a very nice spike over the last couple of weeks, Baruch Hashem. And, uh, and that's why we're just anticipating such a, such a beautiful, wonderful summer. Um, for, for really, we're, we're going to have 2,000 people of our individuals between staff and kids in Israel this summer participating in the program, which is incredible. Well, in advance of this conversation, uh, you had said to me that this is going to be an even larger responsibility than a typical summer. Now, you take a typical summer's responsibility for your staff and campers in Israel, or I should say uh, participants in Israel, very seriously. How much more so for the summer of 2021? It's so hard to put that into words. It, it, it's a tremendous, tremendous... You're, you're absolutely correct. Every year, our responsibility to these kids, the, the summer is such a critical time. Summer can be a time where you're continuing the incredible work you do during the year, and, and or God forbid, it could be the opposite, where kids uh, have have such productive you know, school years and, and doing wonderful and all. God forbid, if they're not active and growing and learning in the summer, it could be, it could be a tremendous disaster. And so we take our, our responsibility over the summer and, and year-round in NCSY very seriously. Uh, but this summer, coming out of COVID and coming off a summer that was completely canceled, and, and with what's going on in Israel recently and just everything that's happened, our responsibility has never been greater. Um, and we couldn't be more ready and more excited about the challenge and the responsibility that's on our shoulders. Um, and we're, we're, we're embracing it, and we're... We're very, very grateful, you know, to the state of Israel, to the people that are getting us in, to the to the arrangements that are being made on our behalf. And again, we have several hundred, you know, five, six hundred kids here in the states, also on our programs, and and it's so critical this summer after what happened last summer, after everyone really having a summer canceled on them and not being able to congregate, like you know, and, and have the, that summer of fun and, and relaxation and growth and. Yep. And it's just it's so critical for us to to be able to do that this summer, and we're very excited. Don't have to sell me on that. I know how important Jewish education during the summer is, even if it's more un- informal education. David Cutler's with us. He leads NCSY Summer. All right, last question about Israel before we move <coughs> to what's happening over here. Do you? Know, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know offhand when it officially starts? When the first flight lands in Israel? First as in NCSY or first as in all the programs? No. The, and- the, the, the first groups that are going to be allowed into Israel as their pilot uh, program, if you will, are landing on May 23rd. No, but I'm talking about yours. Is, uh, next week. I'm talking about your program. So our, first, our first program, we're waiting for our first Eshur. Our first one leaves on June 16th. Oh, uh, that's man. the very first. And then everybody else, all of our other programs start at the end of June, June 28th, June 29th, or the rest of the programs. Uh, and the, what I really wanted to tell you today, more than anything else, which is the reason I wanted to make it so so clear to you, we we gave we and all the other youth organizations a couple of months ago when things weren't that clear, uh, asked our, all of our applicants. We said, "Listen, we're not sure what's going to be with the story this summer with Israel. Here are some options here in the United States that, based on you know COVID and the progression that we know are going to run." And the overwhelming majority, literally ninety ninety five percent, said, "We are going to wait." see what happens in Israel. We're going to literally put our summer on hold and in jeopardy. Nice. Uh, and, and, and risk doing nothing this summer until last second because we want to go to Israel this summer. And we found that not only with us and, and not only the Orthodox, Christians across the denominations, everyone wants to go to Israel so badly. Uh, and it was so inspiring to see uh, that literally over 90-something percent of the people, and this is us and all the other organizations, uh, opted into Israel and said, we are waiting for Eretz Israel to open up. We want to go to Israel this summer. Are, are you um, getting Are you getting the same feeling over the last week? Because we know how when things flare up in Israel, people could change their mind. But for some reason, I'm thinking that the spirit of getting there is greater than ever. Am I right or wrong? 
Absolutely, 100%. Listen, people are it spooks people a little bit when you hear you know missiles and right. you see what's going on. Right. Uh, but again, where if this was if we were leaving, you know, the next week or the week after, I think there'd be more uh, more more concern as far as that's concerned. Um, but no, people people could not be more excited and and are literally, you know, we have we have the 12 to 15 year olds now lining up to get vaccinated, um, and just just who, are, who everyone's just so excited to go. They're like they're like they're like whatever we have to do to get there. You know, we'll we'll, we'll take the different tests we have to take, the, right. you know, bio, serological and this and that. And we'll do whatever we have to take, and we're going to get there and we're going to enjoy. David Cutler's with well us. All right, what's happening on this side of the world? The 1,500 uh, youngsters are going to be heading to Israel. The hundreds that remain here, what type of domestic programs are going to be going on? So it's very exciting. So we have we have certainly people that are either not able to get vaccinated or just simply also you know also uncomfortable with Eretz Yisrael, what's going on there now, on there now, or just other they're not old enough necessarily. We also have programs you know for for post eighth graders and ninth graders. Uh, so we created a number of programs here on the West Coast in the United States because, again, our secret sauce is our staff. No matter our, our, our sweet spot, where we prefer to be is obviously Eric Israel, but we have wonderful programs here in Baltimore. We have wonderful programs here in upstate New York, wonderful programs in the West Coast. Wow. So we created a couple of new programs on the West Coast this option this summer, uh, both for public school kids and for yeshiva kids. And we, ha- we, have, we already have four or five buses of kids, and that number is growing. Uh, because now, again, we're coming out of COVID. People are, are able to gather. People are, you know, the restrictions are easing. People are feeling good. And Baruch Hashem, we have, we have well over five, 600 kids wow. here on our domestic programs. Um, and we, we already have four or five buses of kids going to the West Coast this summer. Um, <laughs> and it's just very, we're actually struggling to, uh, you know, if anybody out there is looking for, you know, counselor, advisor type jobs, we're, we're, we're looking. And, uh you know, we're, we're, we need to we need to be with these kids this summer. We need to inspire them and make sure that they continue to grow. Uh, again, especially after last summer, uh, our responsibility is great, and uh, and we need good people. What would be the best way for a potential counselor or advisor to reach NCSY about these West Coast jobs? Summer at NCSY.org. Summer at NCSY.org. That's both for kids and for staff. We we. We run a dual a dual program over the summer. The kids on our programs grow and are inspired like like you would not imagine, and our staff members are as well. And, and we're very proud of that. We really run a program. It's obviously designed for teenagers, uh, but the staff members uh, from the from the person who's literally experiencing their first summer on Colo uh, to the kid who's experiencing their first Shabbos ever, their first time in Eretz Yisrael, to the advisor that went on Colo as a kid and on Give as a kid, now is coming back as a Madrich and a Madricha. You can't help but be inspired. I'm 49, and I, I cannot wait to get to Israel this summer and to be inspired to spend Tisha B'Av, God willing. Uh, we shouldn't need a Tisha B'Av, but to be spend Tisha B'Av at, at the Kotel, and then Yom Mencesway, and just, just to see how, how all of us as a group are inspired and grow together uh, over the summer. is uh, It's an incredible opportunity. Well, the, uh, the kids and the counselors, they all appreciate it, and it's amazing to watch how so many from so many different backgrounds, and we're talking about every type of background there is, are so excited about, number one, getting to Israel, and number two, if they're not going to Israel, if they're on, a, on one of your other programs, excited about increasing their presence in the Jewish world, increasing their Jewish education. I always, and David, you know this, it's my go-to question because I still have never gotten <laughs> the answer I'm looking for, <laughs> but I always, yeah. I always ask these public school kids, do you know what your classmates are doing this summer? Do you know where they're traveling to and how they're spending their time and how much fun they're having recreating the way regular American kids do? And for some reason, it's irrelevant to them. They want to be surrounded uh, by Torah, by davening, by fun, of course, fun, plenty of fun. Uh, but that's their focus. Their focus is to grow in all those areas, which is really admirable. It's really amazing. It's true. And then we, we pride ourselves on, on the kids. We have kids from all over the world and, and so many different kinds of backgrounds. A little bit affiliated, not affiliated, people who, who have literally never experienced Shabbos and Kashrus at all, don't know anything about Israel, uh, to kids who have, you know, who are Israeli and, and have been Israel, uh, you know, to Israel like, like plenty of times. Um, but then, and, and it's a credit to them that they want to spend their summer growing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're right, so you know, if we're going to have 12 to 15 buses of public school kids in Israel this summer who could be spending their summer in a much different way. Yeah. But for them to be productive that way and grow with us, uh, it's, it's just tremendous. And, and it changes uh, that's why, them. Again, we, it's very serious. It changes them summer. in a positive way. It changes their parents in a positive way, their families. It changes generations. We know what it does in terms of them being affiliated with and eventually uh, building Jewish families. I mean, it's just it's a real game changer. 
you know, we're talking about this and you're mentioning these numbers and we're hoping for a great summer, which please God will have. And we just don't realize that it's, it, it's a real, it's a real life changer for so many. And it's a real generational changer, uh, for so many in this generation. So everybody really out is. there. It's so key. It's so key. Yeah, it's and so, you, by the way, you hit the nail on the head. These changes, not just these 14 to 15 and 16 year olds, it changes their whole families yeah. and the trajectory of where, where they're heading in their lives. And just so many of these kids will end up marrying Jewish just yep. because of the summer they spend with us. And, and that's, I mean, how, how, how humongous is that? And I have to, I have to, in most cases, I'm sure there's certain cases that are not like this, but I got to give credit to the parents because often we, you know, we might be critical of those who are not ritually observant, who are not, uh, you know, spending their, uh, their, their, you know, um, uh, their time in a Jewish atmosphere, let's put it that way. And yet they understand the importance of sending their kids to a program like this. They understand the importance of, you know, of wanting their children to grow in this area, even if they didn't have the same experience growing up. And I think that's admirable. I think that parents, in most cases, again, I know there are exceptions in terms of, you know, parents and kids, you know, uh, on this issue of the summer. Uh, but in most cases, the parents are, are really cooperative and uh, encouraging. And I think it's really important to point out. Sometimes, I think sometimes we, from the background that we have, I, I think certain people... Uh, in our category, will automatically think that a kid is doing something trying to uh, enhance their religious observance, and it's against the will of their parents. So often, it's with their parents, not just consent, but with their encouragement. So, hundred percent. I, I think we have found more and more now. Yeah. We used to find, I think, back, I think back in the day, so to speak, that it was it was really against their parents' will, and we had to almost kind of work around the parents. And that, now it's so much more of a family initiative. And when they come back, you should know our follow-up programming and our continued relationships are, are based around the family. We don't just follow up and continue programming with the kid and encourage the kid to come you know, to an NCSY uh, staff member's house for Shabbos. The, the programming is geared towards the family. Uh, and it's a very big shift in mindset to be able to, to get the family involved and to get them bought in and to get them excited about Shabbos and mitzvot and, and and it changes the whole trajectory, and it changes the community. And we have communities inviting other communities over um, just to, again, to become familiar with Shabbos and excited about Yiddishkeit. And it's very, very game-changing and very, very life-changing across the entire community. No question about it. Summer.ncsy.org. Last-minute information, certainly information about the uh, programs that are taking place here in the U.S. And those of you who would like to apply, be a counselor, a leader, a madrich, uh, in any of these programs, you got to be in touch with the people at NCSY and do so today, summer.ncsy.org. David Cutler, anything you'd like to add, sir? I want to thank you for your time, always, Nachum. We really appreciate it. And, uh, and again, we, we couldn't be more excited uh, to, to run with over 2,000 kids this summer uh, all, all across the world, all across the country. And uh, we, everyone should, you know, again, like you said, summer.ncsy.org or summer.ncsy.org for more information. And uh, and Baruch Hashem, we're uh, we're so grateful, and uh, we're I'm speaking to you live today from Connecticut, where our staff is gathering uh, to prepare for the summer, and to really this is our, this is our opening weekend, if you will. This is our uh, this is our spring training. Oh, so uh, summer has begun. So we're, we're, we're summer has begun for us. Summer we've kicked off, begun. and in uh, <laughs> a number of weeks we've started. Very exciting, especially coming off of last year. This is really exciting. <laughs> to really say the least. Thank Just you, David. Gathering together. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, David Cutler. He leads the summer. Uh, NCSY summer. Go to uh, summer.ncsy.org. Get the information. Make sure your children are all set for the summer, and make sure that if you have a child, or if you yourself are a teenager or an older teenager who wants to be a madrich, a counselor, be in touch with the folks at NCSY. That was my conversation with David Cutler. Yishai Fleischer was a recent guest on JMNAM regarding the situation in Israel. Important words even with the ceasefire. Let's listen to Yishai Fleischer on this edition of JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Tight schedule this morning, but not too tight when we're uh, offered Yishai Fleischer as a guest. We need words of chizuk during these um, difficult times. Yishai, of course, is international spokesman for the Jewish community of Hebron, broadcaster with the Land of Israel Network, among the many other titles that he has. Yishai Fleischer, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good to hear from you, Nachum. How are you? What's going on? Are you guys okay out there? Everybody safe in America? (laughs) We doing all right? (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. I thought of you because, I mean, I thought of you more, more than just today, because I believe some of the early riots that were going on around your mutual line were literally in the neighborhood that you live. Am I right about that? 
You know, uh, Nachum, uh, about three years ago, I moved down to Efrat ah. uh, because of my job in, in Hebron, and I needed to get closer, so I moved from the Mount of Olives, which was an amazing pr- privilege to live there, and moved down to Efrat and work in Hebron. And i got to tell you, all those places have had riots. All those places have had attacks, every single one of them. Uh, just yesterday at the entrance of Efrat, attacks. Uh, in Hebron, we've had two full-on miracles, two full-on miracles, including a, a, an Arab a Palestinian jihadi lady with an M16 shooting at uh, uh, soldiers and at hitchhikers and missing everybody, and, and she was taken down. That was yesterday. And uh, certainly in the Mount of Olives, uh, the community there, which is a, a little bit of an island, uh, has been under attack uh, for days and days. Things ca- started to calm down when folks from the community themselves rushed out and started defending uh, their community uh, from atta- from attackers. And so that calmed down a little bit, but it just moved to different parts of Yerushalayim, which is uh, what in the news is called Sheikh Jarach, but on the Nachum Siegel show, we know it to be Shimon Atzadik, yeah. uh neighborhood, uh, and Shar Shechem which the, the Arabs will call the Damascus Gate. Uh, and, of course, we've had it in other cities. See, there's things that are barely even reported, but people in Israel know. For example, the desert city of Arad had uh, basically, like Bedouins, cutting it off. The roads were practically cut off. Uh, they just took over these roads, and we had this, uh, we had this onslaught from within, this, this uh, uprising, if you want to call it that, or, or basically like jihadi-type gangs. Uh, who who were um, let's put it this way they weren't Zionists they were reading Ralph Cook and they weren't uh, you know accepting our ideas they were accepting the ideas of, uh, of of radical Islam and that's what we were facing out there so this was this this conflict was different than other conflicts we we were facing that inside the country right. and then from without from Gaza three thousand plus rockets fired at us. Uh, and the old kind of system where they're firing rockets, this time the difference was they also were firing uh, with impunity towards Tel Aviv and also claiming that their whole thing is that they now represent the Palestinian movement and that they are the liberators and protectors of Jerusalem, etc. So you saw really, uh, a, let's call it a Hamasization yeah. of, uh, of the conflict where they took a much more uh, aggressive role in... Um, in, in, in the say of what the radical uh, pro-Palestine, pro-Jihad forces were saying. So they're, they're the leaders of that right now. Yishai Fleischer with us live from Israel. Um, no coincidence, I'm sure, as the riots that you just described, Arad, Lud, Akko, Yerushalayim, Efrat, etc., 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 as those riots have been going on in the uh, inner city, so to speak, again, making this a little bit of a different battle than what we've got grown to get used to over the last few uh, operations, uh, I think it's no coincidence that at the same time, cities like Toronto, New York, L.A., Washington, Seattle, areas of South Florida, when Jews gather or when Jews hold an Israeli flag or when Jews walk the streets and look identifiably Jewish, they are being attacked in these random acts. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that the enemy now realizes that there's potential to hurt us from within in Israel. And now, Yishai, I think you would agree that this battle is now on the front lines around the world as the enemy is ready to engage with anybody who seems identifiably Jewish or Zionist and take matters into their own hands. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the battle's gone global, and the bullying has gone global. Uh, and, and you could reach two different uh, conclusions, two different muskanas, two different conclusions about, about what the situation means. It could mean, if let's say you're a Jew in London or in L.A. and you're under attack, you, say, you could say, Israel, you really messed up my identity here. I was living a nice, peaceful life, and everything was good, and you started this balagan, and now it's coming on my head, too. You really messed up my life. That's one conclusion. But that's not the correct conclusion. The correct conclusion is the second one, which is 
This is not about the so-called West Bank. This is not about rights, and it's not about Sheikh Jarrah, and it's not about you know uh, uh, you know well, cops on the Temple Mount and all the or or Itamar Ben Gvir visiting the Temple Mount. It's not about any of these things. It's an anti-Jewish, anti-Israel attack. Uh, it's an ethnic, uh, religious conflict, and 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 in 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 those uh, cities that you mentioned. They're also taking a cue, in my opinion, from the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. They saw that you could riot in the streets, and if you could riot in the streets, and there's not a lot of law out there, so okay, so you can beat up on the Jews. Every, you know, all 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 bad guys want to beat up on the Jews. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so here's here's their moment. They sense the weakness. They sense that. You, look, if 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 now look, I'm speaking as an Israeli, so you know, all the listeners have to forgive me. It's not because I'm partisan in American politics or anything like that, but I'm just telling you how I see it from my side. If if if, if if President Biden is basically embracing Rashida Tlaib and basically you know having this 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 like you know relationship that's very publicized and, and very you know friendly and he says I'll do everything to help you and all that kind of stuff. So okay, so 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 bottom line, the signal is anti-Israelism is cool, and and um, and indeed you know Israel is doing bad things, and therefore that gives you. Uh, the right to attack Jews, and that's what's happening. The conclusion has to be: Jews have to be strong. We have to stand up for ourselves. We have to defend ourselves. You know, and and I, and, I, and a philosophical point that I want to make is that we give over as citizens, we give over our right of police power, our right of self-defense to the police and to the government. But if the government doesn't do it. Uh, that right reverts back to people. People have to defend themselves, uh, and of course, we have to find those people that uh, that stand with us. And yes, you know, I always recommend considering you know Israel uh, as home, uh, and and I and we welcome you, even though we're we're also under fire here. But still, I believe you know, at the end of the day, it's safer here. Um, but but we but we we have to. We have to accept that we're in conflict. We have to accept that, and we have to we have to lop off all the false rationales that people give for why the jihad and the forces that are that are associated with them attack us. It's not because we did this or we didn't do this. It's not because we give them here or we didn't give them here. The attacks on the Jewish people in Los Angeles prove that this is an ethnic religious conflict, uh, and we have to stand up for ourselves. There's nothing else to do. Yeah, there is no alternative, unfortunately. Or some might say, fortunately. Uh, I do want to mention, everybody, we were talking about the rally at the Seven World Trade Center this coming Sunday. We've also been informed that today, Thursday night, today's Thursday, as hard as that is to believe, um, because we had the short week, today is Thursday. And tonight, starting at 5.30 p.m., there'll be a peaceful rally in support of Israel in Times Square, New York City. Again, try to be there. Times Square, 47th Street, 7th Avenue. Again, 47th Street, 7th Avenue tonight, 5.30 Peaceful rally in support of Israel. We'll see how peaceful uh, the yeah, you know, you the know, if I can comment on that for a second, sure. if I can comment on that, um, I've been to a lot of rallies in my life, uh, and, uh, and, and for Israel, and even for a few other things. I want to say something very important. If we're going to go out there to the streets of New York or anywhere else, and we're going to go, Israel's got a right to defend itself. That is a, a ninny sissy, weak type of messaging, okay? That's like we have a right to defend ourselves. It's like we have a right to be, we have to be more aggressive out there. We have to say we have a right to crush our enemies. We have, we have to fight them right now. And when we, you go out to those rallies, don't bring, like, smiley kids and wave the flag and make it all, like, sweet and, like, you know, like, like everything is nice as though it's a glorified Israel Day parade. You've got to show vehemence. You've got to show rage. I know it's tough. It's a tough word for Jews. But you've got to show that. And you've got to show, uh, be, be a little, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, scary out there. Be strong. Show, show that the Jewish people are strong. I, I, th- I think... You know, in all fairness, I think the makeup of these rallies over the last 10 days in America have taken on more of the personality that you're describing. That's the only way. And it's not because it's, not because, uh, it, 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 it's a matter of, of, of making it clear to people that we will fight, that we're strong. And that's, that's actually a, a form of deterrence. People have to see that we mean business, that we're not just going to take it like sweetly. And, 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 you know, and, and yes, Israel's, you know, it's a nice country and it's, it's got a right to defend itself. That, that stuff is not working. Our, look at the enemy. 
and their, their aggressiveness makes them also attractive to the next generation. They see their vehemence. They see their stride, strided uh, approach to things, and they're like, wow, they must be right because they're really angry. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that we have to – I know that being – you know, as Jews, it's not always easy for us to muster up those emotions. Uh, but it's, it's important to have a little bit more – you know, of an aggressive nature when we when we make those statements, uh, and and um, and and the, the you know it reminds me of so many stories of tzaddikim. I, I come from the, my my grandfather comes from the town of Ostrowitz in Poland, and there was a famous uh, Rebbe there, Yechiel Meir Miostrowca, and he was very, very sickly because he fasted for 40 years before the Holocaust. But when he heard that there was going to be a pogrom to the town of Ostrowitz, so he got out of his bed, and he really was uh, you know, under blankets and in bed. He, was re- he fasted, as I said, for 40 years. He got out of his bed, took a knife, like a butter knife, and stood in front of his door, and he made everybody else stand in front of their door with the butter knife or whatever they had. And the pogromchiki, pogromchiki, which is uh, the Russian way of saying folks who make pogroms, they saw the Jews stand up for themselves and they turned around and left. That's the way it has to be. We gotta, we have to be tough, you know. And that's part of Jewish history as well. If American Jewry thought that they had escaped the regular lot of of, uh, of Jewish history, you know, it was a nice time. But now it's time to face it. Uh, it's back. Jewish Jewish history is back, and we've got to meet the challenge. Point well taken. Again, I think a lot of people are in the mentality that you're. Describing a point well taken, and I hope people will, in fact, uh, uh, show the uh, uh, the type of attitude that you're uh, that you're describing. You're asking people to uh, to exhibit during these demonstrations. Yishai Fleischer from Israel. Uh, finally, Yishai, a word of chizuk. I promised mm. everybody not just that you'd come on and discuss with us the uh, riots in Israel yeah. and the uh, people who are uh, unfortunately being attacked randomly or maybe not so randomly here in America and the rest of the world, but that you'd give us a a word of chizuk to get through today. What can you tell us? You, you know, Nachum, I'll, I'll tell you what gave me chizuk. Shavuos, I went to my beloved mother's house in Yerushalayim, and I walked the streets of Yerushalayim. I went into the old city. And the square had had a lot of people there, the big square with the with the golden menorah. But then I heard a noise that sounded like some kind of huge soccer game, like a huge noise. And I walked into the Churva synagogue, and I saw there packed wall to wall, hundreds of fathers and sons learning Torah with such a fervor. I was like, wow, that is mamash the the fire of Torah. That was Asha Torah. I heard Asha Torah, but don't get confused. It was at the Churva Synagogue, <laughs> and and it was such a there was such a beautiful you know sense of like, wow, this is Am Yisrael Chai, and it was a wonderful, wonderful Shavuot, wonderful prayer at the Kotel. It was great. The next day it was Isru Chag, and for you guys it was second day for here in Israel it was Isru Chag. Kids didn't have school. The kids didn't have school. It's hard to go to work. The kids begged me to take them to the favorite, their favorite place, my favorite place, which is Vadi Kelt or Nachal Prat. Uh, next to Anatot, which is this incredible stream with fish and with with crabs and with frogs and with ooh, everything else, and just this freshwater stream in the hills of Yerushalayim. We went there, and we swam with the, the and of course this is where Yirmiyahu is from, right? The prophet Jeremiah, and it's just like it, you felt such a life, a beating life force of the hills of Jerusalem. And then when we were done with that, I took them to the most incredible pizza place in the world, which is called Pizza Moshe. <laughs> In Kfar Dumim, I can't wait to take you there, Nachum. I don't know if you're eating carbs these days or what, but uh, I want to. I want to take you there when you when you when you come to town. And over from from Kfar Dumim, overlooking Yerushalayim and Maled Dumim and the desert, we had the best pizza imaginable. And then and then to top it all off, they had some creme brulee. And they brought out this, you know, vanilla pudding, and they put some brown sugar on it. And the guy took out a little blowtorch and and caramelized the sugar on top of the vanilla creme brulee pudding. And I said, "Oh my God, this is this is an incredible moment." And I said, "So our enemies shall fall before for us. They'll be caramelized and we'll eat them." Okay, we we and and it's going to be all so sweet. And I, all I'm trying to tell you is, this is the bottom line. The real chizuk is, we're still here. Israel's amazing. It, like, like okay, so they rose up against us and they made a lot of trouble, but like, we're here and, and we're not going anywhere. That's the beauty of it all. They used to come to town and wipe out a town. Here, nobody got wiped out. Yeah, we had some inconveniences. It was a balagan. Okay, but a the the bad guys show their face, and we are here. We are here, and we feel it. We feel alive. I'm driving the streets right now. I was in Yerushalayim again. It's just like it's alive. The restaurants are open. People are going to live, and when you guys show up. 
and come here after this long corona and after Mehron and after this thing. You're going to come here. You're going to be like, I can't believe the light and the life and the Torah and the, and the sweetness and the air and Yerushalayim. You, you can't believe what a gorgeous thing it is. So I, I, that, that, that's my physic. My physic is I'm Israel Chai. And we're just... <laughs> you, were the right, you were the right person to call for some chizuk. By the way, is that the, is that the same pizza shop your meow used to go to at the end of the day also? Or... <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, it is, it, it is a godly pizza shop, that's for sure. It's, it's French. These are French Jews, and they like, they just, it's not pizza. It's something else that looks like pizza, but it's incredible. <laughs> like, like they have a four-cheese pizza, six-cheese pizza, eight-cheese pizza, and a honey and something cheese, cheese pizza. That's the, the ones the kids like. I had them put, they put egg on it. They put egg, and there's like... You like sunny side up egg and you dip pieces of pizza in it. Forget about it. It's something unbelievable. <laughs> and it, it just it gave me such a feeling like like nothing nothing is going to stop us. That it just might slow us down a tad. Well, uh, you, but, you, you're you're a perfect example of uh, a living example of the obligation to love life. And Baruch Hashem, you have an extra bonus. You're loving life as you're loving it in Israel, which is pretty amazing. Baruch Hashem. Ishai, thank and I love you. my brothers and sisters, it's, and, they're, yeah. and therefore, therefore, I want to thank you for, for for this phone call because what a good it is to talk to our to our uh, to all of Am Israel and all the lovers of Israel and to to be together in this time and to hold hands across the Atlantic. Ishai, looking forward to reunite uh, in 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 Israel. Please God, very soon. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Nachum. Keep up the great work. Ishai Fleischer. Wow, <laughs> he leaves you speechless. With those words of Chizuk, unbelievable. That was my conversation with Yishai Fleischer. Dr. Mayor Pike is from Turo College, joined us recently. Important information about some of the programs at Turo. Here's my conversation with Dr. Mayor Pike on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. By the way, as we're about to um, introduce Professor Mayor Pike from Turo, I do want to remind everybody and this is important for students out there and their parents to keep in mind that there are plenty of Turo programs uh, during the summer session. There's a June to mid-July summer session. There's a mid-July to mid-August summer session. You have an amazing opportunity um, at Turo undergrad to, and, and no doubt other courses as well uh, to take advantage of the summer months and to um, and to fill and to... Um, fulfill, I should say, requirements and courses uh, during the summer. Go to Turo.edu for information, Turo.edu for information. Professor Mayor Pikus is with us, chairman of the business department at Turo. Uh, it's one of the departments we really haven't focused on over the last few months, and we get a chance this morning here at JM and the AM. Professor Pikus, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm surprised you haven't uh, been doing with business uh, you should be aware that even during the pandemic, there were more business-related jobs created than healthcare jobs. Oh, I don't doubt that. And uh, but you know, for whatever reasons, uh, for, for whatever obvious reasons there are, it seems healthcare has been one of the places that we've really focused on. We haven't focused much on the uh, on the business uh, department, if you will. But now is finally our opportunity. How about an overall view, Professor Pike? Is how has the business world changed during this fifteen-month pandemic? Well, you know, it's, we're trying to look forward, and it's always hard to predict what's going to be in the future. As a matter of fact, we know with COVID, the only thing we can predict is that tomorrow there's going to be some other change. <laughs> but uh, clearly, uh, there are changes. Uh, there's going to be more remote work. Uh, even though businesses are actually calling their workers back in, I'm hearing from many people that uh, they're being called into their offices, but it's not going to be the usual five-day-a-week uh, uh, grind that used to be many businesses will permit their workers to do some remote work. Some businesses want to cut down on their use of office space, that asking workers to share office space. So th that's going to be a change. And many workers actually don't mind not having to do the commute. Uh, myself, uh, I come from New Jersey, fighting the Lincoln Tunnel is not one of the favorite parts of the day. But uh, clearly that's, that's uh, going to happen. If we, uh, if we look at the numbers, right, if we do it just from a, a quantity standpoint, I mean, a company that's used to having, you know, 300 people in the building, some of them, you know, have 10 or 15 people in the building right now. So I'm assuming we'll end up somewhere in between. We'll end up somewhere between 100 and 200 that'll be actively involved in the, in the, in the regular uh, daily grind in a typical office setting. That's what it sounds like. And it may not be the same 200 every day. Right. 
but uh, that, that's what it seems to uh, be pointing towards. And people feel, actually, that they're being more productive, not having to spend all that time on the road, that they're actually, when they're home, they're, they're actually, you know, starting work right away and, and not yeah. having to uh, spend all that time. Yet, yet they understand the value of the office atmosphere. I guess the hybrid may end up being the most productive method of them all. Yeah, and uh, actually at Turo, we're uh, in- incorporating all that even into our classes. Uh, we're offering, uh, of course, in-person classes, which our students enjoy very much. Right. But we're also offering Zoom courses and totally asynchronous online courses and combinations thereof. And actually we're reaching out to people who are not even in this country. I mean, I have a student uh, Zooming into one of my courses who's in Chile. Uh, and uh, she's, of course, finish, finishing up the summer season there. Right. And uh, we have people from Eretz Yisrael zooming in all the time. So, yeah, th- this is going to be not just in business, but in education as well. Professor Mayor Pikes is with us. He chairs the business department at Turo. All right. Uh, you mentioned that it's a, um, it's a department worth concentrating on at this time. What is available out there? What are the growth areas in the area of business that people need to be aware of? Okay, so to be honest with you, actually the, the biggest growth sector at this point is the tech sector, which of course is related to business. Uh, a lot of work available in software development, for engineers, cybersecurity. But next uh, uh, area that uh, growth is going to be is the business area. Uh, financial services is heavily in demand, and that was actually heavily in demand even before the pandemic. As you know, uh, we have an aging country. Baby boomers are getting older. Many of them have been very successful financially, but not yet sure how to handle their wealth. There's a lot of wealth advisement uh, work out there. Um, you know, the stock market has been booming, and a lot of uh, work for analysts out there as well. Uh, real estate's doing well, and accounting is a really great field as well. And I've got to point out to you that um, this past year, or the last year that the statistics are out, that Turo actually placed number two in New York State in the CPA pass results. The only mm-hmm. Cornell University was ahead of us. And we're very proud of our students, of course, and our faculty. Uh, and I have to give a shout-out to two of our my associate members of the accounting faculty, Professor Shammai Bienestock, Professor Devar Erlich, who have been very instrumental in helping shape that department as well. And obviously everything you just mentioned, there is a course of study in Turo for it. Whether it is real estate, whether it is financial planning, whether it is accounting, it's all everything's available under your umbrella. Yeah, we we have a very extensive program. As a matter of fact, I always tell students, you know, who say they want to major in business, but they're not sure what they want to major in. There's no problem because the basic core business courses are all the same for all the majors. So basically, you get to take a sampling of accounting and economics and marketing and management and finance, and then you yourself decide, you know, what interests you. You know, an educated consumer is, is the best consumer, to paraphrase uh, Mr. Cy Sims. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in fact, many students who come in thinking, oh, they're going to become an accounting major because their uncle and cousin and father-in-law are accountants, and then they take a finance course, they fall in love with it, and end up majoring in finance or vice versa. So there's really a lot of choice out there, and it's done really with, uh, you know, full information. And how happy are those who, during the downturn, took the real estate course and now are enjoying, you know, have all the experience they've gotten in a very active market, as you just described. Oh, yeah. I mean, the real estate market, as you know, is very, very hot. Yeah. And uh, actually, Turo also offers, uh, it's not part of our department, it's part of the graduate school program, a five-course certification program in real estate, which is becoming very popular and as we well. Sh- and we should mention, by the way, when it comes to that and the road to the MBA, all of it is Shomer Shabbos, all of it is convenient and, and, and with our uh, community in mind. And obviously, that's really important. That's right. And many of our teachers are B'nai Torah, and they all know where our students are coming from. And they're involved with them personally. Uh, not unusual for students, to, for professors to be at students' weddings, to be at their other simchas, and even sometimes, unfortunately, when tragedy hits, to be with them at that time as well. Uh, so we're really uh, involved with our students. I, I will tell you, for example, that I teach a course, uh, actually tonight, I'll end about 10.30 tonight, and it's unu- not unusual for me to be on the Zoom with my students till close to 11 o'clock just to you know, find out what's going on and to address any concerns they have. Well, that is dedication. Professor Mayor Pike is with us, chairs the business department at Turo. All right, you mentioned the, uh, the, the um, uh, getting involved, so to speak, or you know, taking the... Um, uh, the relationship seriously in terms of uh, instructor and student. With that in mind, 
Um, I would think that uh, faculty takes a great interest in preparing students for their professional exams. Maybe even I might suggest being there for them when it's time to enter the workforce and helping them in that area. Is that something that Turo can do? Yes. Uh, we have a, a career services department, which actually starts with preparing students for the interview process, how to prepare resumes. You know, students have to realize that they can't just, you know, graduate and walk into a job. It's, it's a process, and they're helped along. And I, I will tell you, what, one of the greatest points of nachos that I've had personally was, um, you know, periodically I'll have jobs across my desk, and I'll try to place my students in it. And what's happening now is I'm actually able to place students in jobs with former graduates of ours. So it's really a great network that we have in the Turo universe. And those who think that the business world or the finance world is too congested and it's hard to get work, you would say go for it because there's plenty available. Oh, yeah. This, at this point, there's certainly plenty available. Uh, our students have no problem finding jobs. Many of them have multiple offers. And a lot of them are working, uh, walking out of tour, actually, with extra certification. I always tell people, you know, I could say to you, tour is a great school. And they'll say, of course you'll say that because you work for them. <laughs> but I'll say, let's see what others are saying from us. So as I mentioned to you before, we placed number two in the CPA. That's right. a statistic. Uh, there's an exam that people are not familiar with so much called the CFA, Certified Financial Analyst. It's a three-part exam. It's a grueling exam. Each of them are six hours, almost a full day of testing. You can take the first part when you're still an undergrad, uh, and the exam is given worldwide. I have to tell you, uh, usually it's given, the first part is given in December, December because of the pandemic was pushed off to February. It's the only part you could take as an undergrad, and we had a group of students who took it. We had an 80% pass rate, Baruch Hashem, wow. that's, uh, compared to the 44% worldwide pass rate. There are 129,000 people who took this exam, only 44% pass rate, and our pass rate was 80%. Not only that, we actually had several students who were in the uh, 90th or above percentile, which means in the entire world, they're in the top 10%, which is, again, a great tribute to our students who are tremendously motivated and hardworking, and of course to our faculty for helping prepare them for this. And frankly, our community, because there's been an amazing lineage when it comes to this area of uh, academia. A uh, lot of great people in the world of business who are, you know, handing this down to the next generation. It seems like the next generation is uh, taking the baton and really running with it. They sure are. And uh, actually, when we were in person, and we've done a bit of this on Zoom as well, we've had speakers come down, many of them who are tour graduates themselves and successful graduates, and they come down and students love it, and the, and the people come back, they love it as well. It's, it's really a great uh, point of information for our students and networking as well. Well, they may not be getting the attention that healthcare and other uh, industries are getting during COVID, but as you heard uh, Professor Pike say, uh, the business department at Turo is hopping with a lot of uh, uh, wonderful students and great programs and uh, in so many cases leading to wonderful employment uh, down the road. Professor Pike is the best way for both students and parents to get information about the business department at Turo. What would you say? So first, you can contact Turo at Turo.edu or uh, 212-252-7800. And, of course, they can contact me. Uh, my email is mayor, M-E-Y-E-R dot P-E-I-K-E-S. Remember, it's usually I before E, except you have to P for PICAS. <laughs> at Turo.edu. And uh, I, I want to mention also we have an accelerated accounting program where we get our students out with the 150 credits in, in potentially under two years. And wow. they're ready for the C, they become CPA ready at that point. And uh, if they want, they can contact Professor Shamai Bienenstock, and he's uh, uh, the head of the accelerated program. It's really for students who are a bit more gifted. But even our regular CPA track, where you could do it a little longer period of time, and um, our, our students are very successful in that as well. Uh, so that's something also to consider. We love, as I tell our students, we love our students, but we'd like to get them out as quickly as we can and get them into the workforce, which they're really motivated to enter. Whether it's accelerated with a capital A or a small A, can I assume in both cases they need to dedicate some summertime to those uh, courses as well? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is, uh, and we do, as you said, as you mentioned before, we do run a double summer session. Right. Uh, I, I will also mention that we're very sensitive to the community. We run a post-Pesach uh, session. We're right. running it right now, as a matter of fact, for students who come back from Eretz Yisrael and 
whatever reason are not returning, and it's like typical downtime because what do you do from mm-hmm. March or April till right. till July? Especially this and year, it's a big stretch of time this year. That's right. Yeah. So here there was an opportunity for them to pick up six credits, and right. then you can pick up another six credits in the first summer session, and another six in the second. So by the time Labor Day rolls around, you've got 18 credits. You're, yeah. you're well on your way. And plus, of course, we give credit for sp- time spent in yeshiva or a seminary. Uh, we really try to help our students through the process without sacrificing quality. We teach them how to write. We give them the computer skills. We give them, of course, the business skills they need and they're ready to go. Yeah, look, we're, we're anxious to the young people in our community to get out there, build their family, etc. And if they, within reason, if they're able to do the uh, academia uh, in, a, uh, in a quicker amount of time, obviously it helps. Uh, right. And it sounds like you're doing it in a very, very responsible way. Uh, business department at Turo, go to Turo.edu. Uh, Professor Mayor Pikus chairs the department. He's more than happy to speak to anybody, student or parent, who wants to explore uh, his department more at Turo. Uh, I thank you very much for joining us and continued success at Turo. Thank you very much, Nelson. Professor Mayor Pikus, business department at Turo has a lot to be proud of, a lot to be proud of. And we haven't really concentrated on the uh, business aspect of their academics over the last few months. Today was a golden opportunity. Uh, check it out. The uh, accelerated program, the post-Pesach, the, well, post-Pesach obviously has started already, uh, but the accelerated program, the summer sessions, I mean, these are opportunities to really get a lot of stuff done and a lot of courses under your belt. Um, and for a lot of students, that's really important, both men and women. A lot of students, it's really important to them to get a good, a lot of people don't want to do it quickly. That's fine. But a lot of people want to do certain things quickly, especially if they're able to do it and it fits into their schedule. So uh, check it out. Go to Turo.edu. And uh, all those business degrees are certainly within reach. And I thank Professor Pikus. The more students and parents who hear about these programs from Turo, uh, the more interest they're taking in what Turo has to offer. That was my conversation with Dr. Mayor Pikus. Thanks so much for joining us. Plenty more coming up. Thanks for listening to JM Rewind. Keep on listening to the Nahum Siegel Network.